tracked down by Van Vliet. Fred behind the back in traffic. Oh, it's Fred's time. He's got 23. Come on. First pitch swinging, and he crushes it. Deep left center field, it's hit a mile. Guerrero with a home run, his third on the season, and the Blue Jays are within two. David plays it down the line, look out that ball stay and Davies is on it. Davies takes it away, 2v1. Davies at Buchanan, Alfonso Davies keeps it himself. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the 13th Man Sports Podcast. We have uh, one of my favorite guests we've ever had, Urinating Tree, back with us today. Um, thank you so much for coming on with us again. Uh, last time Thanks. we spoke was interesting. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I think it's been, what, about like a little over a year, if I remember correctly. I think right? it was about uh, right before the playoffs started last year that we spoke. Mm, I think so, yeah. Which, I mean... I got a Facebook memory today that uh, the Bills were eliminated from the playoffs one year ago today. Oh. Uh, so here we are back in the same place, the same day. So, uh, yeah, I guess everything's coming full circle. I-, I wouldn't call it Groundhog Day, though. I mean, it was a little different than, uh, <laughs> yeah. than last time. Not, not any easier to, to go through, though. Uh, yeah. This one this one sucked. But we'll we'll start with the playoffs so far. I mean, you're, you're a Steelers guy. Um, just their season i mean you've talked about it a lot in in sports ball how it's you know up and down and it's it's been interesting uh just takeaways from the Steelers season how you think it went it was a painful season not in like in terms of losses but it just felt like every win was just like oh god (laughs) it's like this team wouldn't die it was weird I, i still have no idea how they made the playoffs like they shouldn't have and i think unfortunately with the kansas state game we kind of showed how because, I mean, the offense, it was non-existent. And then Chiefs adjusted, defense runs out of gas, and then you get 35-7 to by the third quarter. So, I mean, at that point, it's they're in a place where I don't know where they go from here because they didn't really have a contingency plan for life after Ben. It's just mm-hmm. like, okay, uh, we're going to try a quarterback competition with probably Mason, Rudolph, uh, Dwayne Haskins, and maybe someone else. But I don't know who you get. Like, do you sign like a Trubisky? Do you hope Kenny Pickett falls to you in the draft? Or do you believe that – or do you try go offensive line heavy, which I, I feel like they should do because Najee didn't really have a line to block for him this year. But, I mean, it's the end of an era. I mean, Ben's retiring, even though I felt like he should have retired maybe a season or two ago. Uh, Kevin Colbert's probably retiring. Um, our defensive coordinator uh, – Keith Butler is retiring, but he was more of like a linebacker guru. Like, so really like legendary linebacker coach, everything else he's like, mm. but at the same time, I mean, you've got a bit of overhauling to do. Unfortunately, they'll probably promote from within for all three positions, but still what, like if you, if you were the general manager of that team, what would you do? Would you, would you go with Mason Rudolph? Would you try to get a Matt Ryan, maybe a Russell Wilson? Like what, where would you go? I don't know if like a vet quarterback's the right way to go. I mean, ideally I would go with like a Deshaun Watson, but I mean, considering his charges, I don't know how you like, I don't know if you have the capital to like trade for him too. Same as like a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers. Like, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to want to be behind this offensive line. Cause you're going to get up, give up like two first round picks, yeah. maybe more. 
And I feel like Green Bay would probably be looking for a young player in return. So who would be the guy you trade? They don't need Najee Harris. Uh, do they trade for your moves? I, I don't know if that's going to be enough to move the needle, though. So, and your options, you're looking at like Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt Ryan tier, which is like you're in the same boat you were last year. Like it, it might be better, but it's, is it going to be enough to lead you to a Super Bowl? Unless your defense plays lights out. But once again, you've got some free agents leaving. Joe Hayden's probably gone. He's um, looking for his last payday. Terrell Edmonds is probably, I'm guessing he might be gone. Um, I don't know what's happening with Stefan Tuitt. I mean, he might come back next year. He might not. I mean, I don't blame him. His brother had uh, died over the summer, and it's just like he wasn't in the right mindset. So it's definitely understandable there. But uh, what do you do with Devin Bush? Because he had a brutally disappointing season. So it's a lot of questions that need to be answered. The teardown option, it has to be on the table, right? Because Cincinnati's not going anywhere. Baltimore's still good. Cleveland is still there. They, they. W- I wish they would. They're never going to. It's not the Steeler way. They don't believe in rebuilds. They don't believe in tanking. So they're going to keep dealing with this cycle of mediocrity. And unfortunately, if you look at the past 10 years, ever since they made that last Super Bowl, it's either uh, near 500 or 500 records or flameouts in the playoffs due to like a, a like a a weird schedule. Mediocrity is the standard. You only have three playoff wins in 10 years, 12 years. And those were against a, a Cincy team that self-destructed the Miami Dolphins starting Matt Moore and the Chiefs starting Alex Smith. So the Chiefs starting Alex Smith is your quality playoff win. I don't think that's enough, especially for a team that supposedly has Super Bowl aspirations. Yeah. We'll move we'll move on from the Steelers a little bit, but like yeah. when when you look at that division, it's it's just it's loaded. It's loaded. It's it's not going to be pretty for them for the next couple of years mm-hmm. unless, you know, one of these quarterbacks in the draft. Honestly, I don't even know who's there. Like, it doesn't seem uh, like it's one. it's a weaker class. I mean, Matt Corral is probably going to be gone. Uh, Kenny Pickett. I love him. I love following him at Pitt. He's probably gone. Um, you Otherwise, you have um, Sam Howell from North Carolina. I'm not that crazy about more like a Baker Mayfield type player. You have Malik Willis, who I love, but he's still very raw. So. He he's a question mark. I, I I love to take him, but at the same time, like he needs a season or two to develop himself. Yeah. And you have like Carson Strong out of Nevada, um, Desmond uh, Ritter out of Cincy, I believe his name is. Yeah. So like it's just like, ugh. yeah. There's there's a lot of guys like we're a big CFL show. There's a lot of guys who you look at this draft class and like Desmond Ritter. I think is a prime example. That guy is CFL bound eventually. Yeah, he'll probably be like a backup for a couple of years and then he'll probably go to like the XFL or CFL. Yeah. Um, we get to the playoffs though. There's been some like people are describing this past weekend as the best weekend of football they've ever seen. Um, it's just from, you know, from the beginning of these playoffs to to now, like just what are some of the things that you've found the most interesting? Well, what I found interesting is that like it seems like a lot of the weaknesses that a lot of teams have have seemed to come to fruition. Dallas, their issue was a lack of discipline, sloppy play. Those two things wrecked them in the end. Green Bay, special teams play. That killed them. And unfortunately, now Green Bay screwed because they're $45 million over the cap and have so many free agents to sign. And Aaron Rodgers might be gone. And then Tennessee, I saw it against Pittsburgh. Like Their offense would just randomly self-destruct. And unfortunately, that ended up happening against Cincy. Um, Arizona, they fell off the map. And then like you have like certain games where it just felt like it should have been over, but it wasn't like say 
Tampa Bay and the Rams. So like that should have been a Rams blowout yet. The fact that it was tied was more damning to the Rams, even though they did end up winning. But um, I mean, it's, it's a wide open race. We can start, we'll start in the NFC for this too. I, like, I don't think really too many people thought that San Francisco would be where they are. I was a pretty big, you know, Rams are fraudulent uh, supporter. Um, did either of them shock you all that much that they're there? Or, or did you think that there was a chance that they would get there? I think there was a chance for both. I was really high on San Francisco earlier in the year. And I mean, I said it like in a few videos, it's like this team has the potential to make noise in the postseason if the thing cards fall right for them. They have a really strong front seven. Their secondary is getting healthy. They have a strong offensive line and a good rushing game, especially with Elijah Mitchell coming back into health form. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo is the only thing that's going to prevent them from reaching that next level. And he's nearly done it a couple times. He was bad. He had some really bad throws against you know, Dallas when his shoulder was injured. And then against Green Bay, he looked awful. So, I mean, I, I can definitely see them going to the Super Bowl because, once again, San Francisco's won the last five meetings against the Rams. I think for them, it, it comes down to a lot of just about their defense. Like, for whatever reason, yes. nobody's really able to, to put up big numbers against them, at least so far in these playoffs. Uh, and, you know, defense wins championships they they don't mm-hmm. say that for no reason um in that matchup do you back stafford in that or do you think that the san francisco defense is going to be good enough san francisco defense has stymied most of their opponents that's the fortunate thing i mean they neutralized Dak prescott until i mean jimmy g started self-destructing and got them in good field position i would say like i mean green bay they neutralized aaron Rodgers in that that, that offensive line, they gave him fits. Uh, if the Rams don't have Andrew Whitworth back, it might be rough. I mean, Joe Noteboom did well last week, but Nick Bosa is a lot better than Jason Pierre-Paul right now. And and that's not slight to Jason Pierre-Paul. He is still a solid player. But I would say, hmm, like it's going to have to come down to Matt Stafford again. That's your pressure point because Stafford has done well so far. But at the same time, um, this is going to be the test. Because if he doesn't win here, there's still going to be a lot of questions about, okay, is Matt Stafford going to be the guy? Where are you on that? Like for me, I, I was, when he was in Detroit, I was a big, you know, Stafford can win a Super Bowl. Uh, but this year with the Rams, I kind of wavered on that a little bit, I think. Uh, and, you know, I, I think this, like you said, is going to determine a lot about him. But where do you stand on that right now? I would say he's a good quarterback, but not a great one. He's like a kind of guy who's going to put up numbers but not lead a team anywhere great because he doesn't have that transcendent ability. But with the Rams, he does fit their scheme, and he does have like talent around him, especially with OBJ coming in too. Cooper Cup is excellent. I mean, you have Tyler Higby as a decent safety valve. Cam Akers has come back even though he had an awful game with uh, four, two fumbles that nearly – cost uh the rams the game um i would say like i mean he's shown a confidence in certain spots where it seems like that he hadn't shown in detroit before and then there were times he'd randomly go back to his old detroit form like it's it's very strange on the afc side of things too i mean cincinnati a team led by joe burrow who uh, at this point i think everybody kind of understands is one of the next superstars. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Patrick Mahomes on one side who just absolutely, he, he saved his team. Like there's yeah. no doubting that he scored two touchdowns in the final two minutes of the game. 
or 10 points in the final two minutes of the game or whatever it was. But that matchup, I think that is going to be one of the more interesting matchups in a long time, um, especially just because like that Bengals team, not many people have really expected them to be where no, they are this year. No, I did not expect them to be anywhere good. I mean, I expected Joe Burrow to be solid, but I did not expect that defense to mesh. Uh, the question for Cincy's in their offensive line, it is still atrocious. Tennessee just wrecked them all game, nine sacks. That usually should get you a dominating defensive win, yet the Titans self-destructed, and that's why the Bengals were allowed to advance. They're a good team. I just don't know if they're ready yet. This is like the moment where you kind of like, okay, you got your taste of playoff victory, and then you need to go back and improve yourself with like the sort of uh, stories you've had. But um, I will I will say, could you imagine a Bengals 49er Super Bowl again? Yeah. It would be it would be nuts. Like be I think anything with the Bengals would be pretty outlandish. Oh yeah, I mean I, I can see the Chiefs winning that game, but it's mostly because I feel like uh, the the Chiefs' defensive line is still pretty strong. Yeah. So I feel like that line's going to have issues. I think for that game too, there's a lot of the Chiefs are just going to score at will. It, it, like I feel you know, that's that's how it was in the previous meeting. It's just yeah. endless scoring at will. The only problem is with the Chiefs, their secondary is pretty bad. <laughs> As you could see, not just from the Bills game, but from the Bengals game earlier in the year, they kept giving up the same like one on one uh, deep route on the sidelines to both Jamar Chase and T Higgins. So my question, the thing is, it's going to come down to who has the ball last, just like the last time. I mean, you got to watch that that game last night from an outsider's point of view, something I, I really wish that I could have done, because I'll tell you what, that was. That was nerve-wracking. Uh, I mean, that was one of the worst nights of my life. Um, yeah, I mean, that was a great game. I mean, it, you still have to admit that. I mean, it's oh, a tough sure. loss, especially for Buffalo, but it, it should be a, like a, a token of pride that like you fought with everything you had and you kept up with poss- with a a team that might be going to their third straight Super Bowl. Were you about to say future Hall of Famer and Patrick Holmes? No, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say potential dynasty, but yeah. Yeah, I think, I think if they get like, like two Super Bowls in three years, I think there's an argument for it. Four straight AFC championship games, though. And they've yeah. been to what three of the or uh, three, the last three Super Bowls. Well, yeah. two of the last three, not counting this year. Yeah. Um, but like watching that game, uh, for you last night, just from the way everything started, just what, what do you think were some of the like flashpoints that, uh, decided the game well the main issue was like the bills needed Tredavious white that was the unfortunate thing it was one of the fears i had about them going into the playoffs it, you might have had a chance to win you probably i mean Tredavious white's one of the few players that could probably cover tyree kill pretty well and as you saw in like one of those final plays like i mean tyree kill has speed for days and just blazed a trail for a touchdown on a couple occasions um, I, I with Travis Kelsey, it's different because he, he's really tough to cover, even if you have like an elite like lo- coverage linebacker like a Devin White. So, I mean, that was one of the things I've noticed. Secondly, I mean, it was pretty much a quarterback show. I mean, absolutely near perfect quarterback play. I mean, the secondaries left a lot to be desired, but I don't know if like it was more because like the quarterbacks were just like scorching them at will. I know the chiefs slipped up a couple times. That's why some of the receivers were wide open. I know like 
uh, uh, on the final touchdown drive, I think there was a little bit of a slip too for on the Bills. I mean, it's just like, wait, why is Gabriel Davis that wide open? It's like, yeah, that's why he uh, he got juked out of his shoes. And um, I would say the final thing. I mean, everyone's going to say it's the overtime rules that did you in. Unfortunately, it was giving up 45 yards on two plays in 13 seconds. I mean, unfortunately, like, if you don't want to be in that situation, you can't get to that situation. And if it's unfortunately, it's a team game. So if if one aspect of the team doesn't hold up, unfortunately, you're at risk of dealing with the fate of a coin. Yeah. Uh, We will touch on those overtime rules. Uh, But the first thing that I want to get to before we do that – there's been a lot of talk about the kickoff that happened, you know, immediately after the Bills mm-hmm. scored their touchdown. There's pros cons to squibbing it, kicking it deep. Uh, I think one of the, I think McDermott said that, you know, they didn't squib it because there's a likelihood that Kansas City would have got the ball at about 35 and just a yeah. anyway. What would you have done? Like, would you, would you have squibbed it or would you have just went deep with it? At the end of the day, I'd probably go deep because, I mean, if you do squib it, you do take maybe a couple seconds off the clock, but it would have been marginal, maybe three or four. You still would have had time to get a couple plays down and still potentially kick a field goal with about a second or two left. And I feel like the Chiefs would have been able to do that because of their timeouts. Um, I would say, like, with a squib, too, you run the risk of getting it returned for a touchdown as well, so... It's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Because yeah. if they did squib it, people are going to be asking, wait, why did you not kick it off the whole way and prevent them from returning it for a big game? So it's it's a loaded question, unfortunately. It's one of those that'll just be – it'll be second-guessed for a while, but unfortunately there was no real right answer there. Yeah. I'm, I'm on the same board with, uh, same boat with you. I you know When they scored the touchdown, my, my dad was saying, you know, they should squib it. I'm like, nope, just kick it deep. Get the ball out of their their hands, make them drive the field. That's the thing, uh, because at that point, to give up fifty yards to play the kind of defense the Bills did is is just inexcusable. Yeah, like, it's, you don't it, have it, it was bad. And and Leslie Frazier is a coaching candidate too. It's just like yeah. that's that's your last your fire alert defense. It's just leaving gaps of wide open like man cover or zone coverage because you're in prevent. It's like, mm, they're not really looking to go super deep. They're looking to get chunks of yardage, which they were allowing them yeah. and then be able to kick the field goal. So it, it was more about scheming than I would say about the actual defensive ability. Do you think that uh, like, there's been a lot of debate from Bill's fans about Leslie Frazier. Do you, would you be okay if they ended up bringing him back? Uh, do you think it might be time for a change? Cause like, the statistics say that they're the number one defense in the league. Uh, but if you watched any of the bills this year, it just kind of felt like every time they get into a big critical moment or they played a really good team, uh, they would get gashed. We saw it against the Titans. We saw it against the Steelers too. Mm-hmm. And at some points they were getting gashed. Well, I mean, most of that, I think the Steeler game, I think it was the blocked punt that ended up doing them in, yeah. in the end. I think their offense ended up like sputtering a lot. I wouldn't say that was on the defense, but I would say more or less, I think Frazier might be gone because I think he's one of the prime coaching candidates in Chicago, if I remember correctly. And for Dayballs for New York. So he might yeah. be for Chicago. So he might be losing both. I mean, Dayball, I'm hearing from Miami too. I've never been that crazy about Dayball. I feel like his play calling has been too conservative in a lot of aspects. Yeah, his claim wrong. to fame is I developed Josh Allen. So, yeah. I mean, he could be a good coach. I'm just like, eh. 
the, the conservative thing, it's not wrong. Like we watched him last night run three consecutive running plays with not letting Josh Allen do anything. Yeah. But you know, I mean, like, unfortunately your offense runs through Josh Allen. And unfortunately, yeah. like that's why I called the bills offense one dimensional, because like, if you don't have Josh Allen going, it's, it's done. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's kind of unfortunate that, you know, that is the reality of the offense, but at the same time, it feels like Brian Dable has decided that that can't be the case. And he's tried to make Devin Singletary into something he's not. Devin's which is where I have issues. Yeah. Devin Singletary is more of like a specialist pass catching back. I feel like he's good, but he's not like a number one running back. Yeah. He's not that kind of guy. He's like a specialist, come out of the backfield, catch some nice passes, maybe a, um, maybe uh like draw play running back for like keep the defense on their heels he's not a number one bell cow running back he's not like a dalvin cook or a james robinson or a jonathan taylor or a derrick henry i mean speaking of which like i mean do you think you go after a guy like a james robinson in the offseason his value is pretty depressed with yeah. the, i mean it is a torn of Achilles, so there is some risk but say he's only available for like a third round pick do you grab him? Uh, I think you have to. Like, you can't go into next season without having a running game to complement the, the, mm-hmm. the throwing, the passing. And, and also, you have to consider Josh Allen is like year prize horse. I mean, what if he gets injured? I mean, you're running him ragged, which I mean, is understandable. He's like the part of your offense and he still like has energy. But at the same time, you have to extend his career because he's kind of taking a beating right now. I mean, what he reminds me of is like young Big Ben, you know, when like he would make these amazing plays with his free feet, create space in the chaos. But he took a beating in those early years because of the moved offensive lines and the way he ran. So that's my fear with Josh Allen, but it probably won't come to fruition. Like those fears probably you won't have to worry about them for a couple more years at least. I think he's a little lucky too, just because he's a he's big. Like he yeah. delivers the punishment, not necessarily takes it yeah. in a lot of the cases. Um, so I think he's kind of like eventually it is going to catch up with him. He's he's not going to be able to deliver hits like this and take hits like this his entire career and never feel a, an effect of it. Um, but like it's it's clear that if they would have went had to go to Mitch Trubisky last night for whatever reason, it's it's, it's not the same. Not going to work. So. You know, I, I I don't think there's a, a way in hell they can go into next season without addressing something to get a running game going yeah. next year. And an interior offensive line. I think you need some changes there too. Absolutely. Um, just on the Kansas City, Buffalo, uh, Cincinnati front, uh, Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, is that the new, uh, you know, three quarterbacks that just dominate the league for the next however many years? I would think you might be able to add Lamar Jackson to that list too. I mean, he regressed in a lot of ways last year, but he still is like, he's this generation's Michael Vick. Like he's an electric running, a runner. Like he can dazzle with the arm at times as well. We saw that against Indianapolis, but um, I would say who has the real potential? I mean, Zach Wilson, uh, Mac Jones, maybe if he develops in strides, I would say he has a chance. Um, Trevor Lawrence, you could see him too. Give him a couple years, give him a system. I think he could be pretty good. He showed flashes against the Colts too. I, I just wish you were on a better team than Jacksonville. Uh, 
anywhere but Jacksonville. Yeah, trade him for trade him to Pittsburgh for a fourth round pick. We'll <laughs> gladly say yes. <laughs> um, well, we'll throw in Mason Rudolph too. But uh, uh, I mean, but I would say uh, Justin Herbert. I might, might be the other one, but the Chargers are like kind of cursed in that regard. So uh, does he end up as the Philip Rivers of this group? Because once again, Rivers' problem was was that he was in an era with Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Ben Roethlisberger, and a little Joe um, Joe Flacco. Would Herbert's problem would he his issue be that he's in an era with Joe Burrow, Pat Mahomes, and Josh Allen? And Lamar Jackson. Like, we've got some really good quarterbacks coming up. Like, we are witnessing the new wave. The old wave, you know, your Ben's, your Peyton Manning's, Tom Brady's, Aaron Rodgers' Drew Brees. They're on the way out the door. I mean, all of them might be out because I'm like, Ben's probably retiring. He hopefully should retire. Aaron Rodgers, he, I think he might retire, especially because, like, I think he's just done with the NFL circus. Uh, like There are rumors about Tom Brady retiring. I don't know if he does, but at the same time, you're ushering in a new era of football. Yeah. Are you surprised that Tom Brady went down? Or, like, like when they got that game close again, I don't think that there was a person on the planet that thought that Tom Brady wasn't going to win that football game. I, same here. I thought, like, really, Rams are going to pull this shit? Really? Really? Like, I mean, I was I was afraid that, like, if the Rams blew that game, a lot of people were going to get fired because this was their all-in year. They blew a lot of picks and effort into developing that roster, bringing in that talent, and, um, you know, forging it so they can get the chance for a ring in L.A. and solidify their leg, like, their standing as the greatest tourist attraction in Los Angeles. I mean, that's why the 49ers fans, they're not allowing them to buy tickets. Which is like, okay. I'm sure that'll work. Oh, uh, of course. I mean, what's going to happen is a bunch of L.A. like people from L.A. are going to buy the tickets and then sell them on the resale market for a vastly higher markup. Because uh, when the free market finds a way to work, it's going to find a way. So it's probably going to be full of Niners fans either way. But I would Yep. Code word free. Save $20 off your first purchase. Uh, (laughs) But I would say... um, um, But when I saw that like pass to like that spiral from Stafford to Cooper cup. Like it was a combination of emotions. I'm like, first I'm stunned. It's like, wait, Tom Brady didn't come back. Yeah. Second one is like, Oh, thank God. I don't have to deal with Tom Brady coming back for another week. And then another one's like, okay, I'm still pissed at you, but you finally stopped choking. I mean, I'm, I'm still like, that's an embarrassing win, even though, I mean, it, it is a win you'll take it, but that game should not have been close. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the thing with Tom Brady. Like, even when they were down, what was it, 27 to 3, I think it was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like one of those, you cannot count them out. They have yeah. Tom Brady. And it doesn't I mean, matter whether defense made the play. Yeah. Just I mean, whatever team has that guy is going to do well. Yeah. I mean, they had a bunch of fumbles, which ended up doing them in mostly. And that allowed them to come back. But I mean, the Buccaneers uh, messed up a couple opportunities. I think they turned over the ball twice, like on, on downs, I think in that fourth quarter, if yeah. I remember correctly. We didn't touch on the overtime rules. We will do it now. Um, obviously, it's been a little bit of a, a shit show uh, on social media about people who think that the rules are – they need changed. Uh, I am one of them, and that's not just because the Bills lost. I said before that uh, coin toss even happened, that whoever wins the coin toss is going to win this game, and that's not how you should end a game. Um, where do you stand on that? And if you had to change it, what would you change it to? 
I, I'm part of the unpopular opinion crowd. I don't think it needs to be changed. My question is, uh, like, my thinking is you have 60 minutes to prove you are the best team in the game. And I know, like, a lot of people think it's unfair for, like, one team to be unable to play offense. But, unfortunately, it's a team game. And if there's one aspect of a team that doesn't succeed, which in that case was, like, the Bills defense and four years ago it was the Chiefs defense. We had this controversy back then too. I mean, you, you got to make a stop, unfortunately. I mean, there are times where like where they will be stopped and forced to kick a field goal, like the, the Raiders Chargers game, for example. Like the Raiders could have ended that first drive, but they were stopped. And then like that's unfortunately what it, it has to take. I mean, I know a lot of people think it's an unfair rule, but all you're doing if you change the rules so both teams have a possession, no matter what, is that you're just watering down defense further and you're risking further injury in case, like, it goes longer and longer. So I don't know if, like, that's the correct answer because, like, if you do say, like, for example – if you score a touchdown, you have to kick an extra point or like go for two. But like if you are the second team back, you score a touchdown and then you must go for two. Why would you want to like go first? Like you would just have to wait and see if your defense can make a stop. That's fair. Yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of people have been calling for like the college rules. And I, I don't know. The I don't agree with that. I mean, that's, it's uh, once again, you're just neutering defense like that. I mean, would you rather go with this new gimmick where like after like the second OT, you're going to straight two point conversions like that's it's just fate luck at that point. Yeah. Yeah. The, I think the CFL has something very similar, except you start on the 35 and you have to you know score a touchdown or a field goal. And then if you get the touchdown, you have to go for two. Um, I think that's my preferred method, but, um, you know, I, like honestly, from just a fan perspective last night, I felt robbed of watching Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes trade haymakers for an extra hour and a half. Cause I thought that would have been phenomenal. I mean, at the end of the day, both would have been exhausted and the game had taken, I think about four and a half hours at that point. So yeah. how many people would have gone to bed? <laughs> well, not me. I, my nerves were absolutely frayed. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've felt like that before, like adrenaline takes you that way. Like, I felt the kind of the same way after that. Um, Not the Steelers-Browns game, but a couple, like, Pens games when they were in the cup final a couple years ago. It's like, oh, boy. Like, it's uh, I'm going to be up till, like, three in the morning out of adrenaline. Uh, we'll kind of – we'll start to wrap it up here. But um, Super Bowl picks. Ooh. Who do you think is going? Who do you think will win it ultimately? Uh, and we'll, we'll go one further. Who's your MVP? Ooh. I would say hmm, something tells me the Niners are going to beat the Rams again. I don't know how. It's just like the old traditions of like, oh, I think the streak's going to end, but it, it somehow doesn't. I would say it's probably going to be Chiefs Niners again, and then Chiefs pull out the win because Jimmy G just can't keep up with Mahomes. I would say the MVP, probably Mahomes. Yeah. I think that's the easy route to go. I, like I, I don't see a, a world where the Chiefs – don't beat the Bengals. I mean, and it's possible. I mean, nobody expected the Bengals to make it this far. Nobody expected yeah. the Niners to beat the Packers. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that Chiefs team is just, there's something else right now. And it, it's crazy to me, too, to think that at the beginning of the season, people were like, they're they not- were struggling. Yeah. Big time. Like they were below 500. Mm hmm. And three and four. That, it's credit to just how great that team actually is. 
they were able to adjust to and correct their mistakes because Mahomes was getting really cocky with a lot of his throw, throws. Yeah. Like it was just like I remember one throw against like the Chargers and he just like threw a duck in the air and it's just like what dude you just cost yourself the game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm impressed. Like that that team for them to rebound the way they have. I I would love to see the Bengals win, mostly because of you know, Andy Dalton finally sending the Bills back to the playoffs whenever that happened way back when. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of on the Bengals bandwagon right now. Um, I just don't think they're going to get it done out in the NFC, I think. Just not in the – not with the line they have. They need improvements there. Yeah. I, they're close, but at the same time, uh, I, I, on my end, I get to look forward to seeing Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase wreck the Steelers secondary for the next <laughs> 10 years. I'm so happy about that. Yeah, it's no. – there, there you go. That's how uh, – Everybody in the NFC or in the AFC uh, East felt with, with Tom, Tom Brady, Brady. forever. Yeah. It's not fun. You're not going to enjoy it. Oh, nobody uh, is. Uh, unless you're the team that has them. Yes. Let's say Kenny Pickett turns into Justin Herbert 2.0. It's like, yes. But I don't know if that's happening. So, yeah. Uh, NFC, though, I think uh, I'm, I'm kind of on the same, same boat. I don't think that the Rams are going to get it done. It's basically going to be a home game for the Niners. Uh, I don't. I don't think they're going to win that game. I just I can't see Matt Stafford stepping it up, and I can't see the mistakes not costing them this week. I think it's not going to be Stafford that's the issue. I think it might be the Rams' defense unable to contain Debo Samuel. That too. That would be my guess. Yeah. And also the Rams' offensive line being unable to contain the Niners' front seven. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm still. I'm still. I tweeted last night that the Chiefs are going to walk to the Super Bowl. I still think that's going to happen. Possibly. I, I mean, you saw like I still feel like the Bills Chiefs game should have been the Super Bowl. Like it was like just just make this yeah, got Dame in the Super Bowl. Like this is this is a classic that will be remembered for years upon years. Yeah. Even with like the overtime rules, like allegedly robbing Josh Allen of a chance. Like, I mean, you you, you it's a heavyweight bout. Unfortunately, there are times where the, the bout has to end. Yeah. I would have liked to seen one more round of the bout, but you know, it would have kept going. It It would have kept going. I like, I didn't think that the bills were going to win. I felt that their, the bills offense would blink first just because Les, uh, Brian Dayball would go conservative, just inexplicably out of nowhere at some point. Um, but yeah, like I'm on the same boat as you. I think Mahomes is going to win Super Bowl MVP. I think he's probably going to drop, you know, 35 points in the Super Bowl. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm. I think that that team is just untouchable. It is what it is. I mean, we'll have to look forward to that too for the next five to ten years. <laughs> Not looking well, forward to that either. Oh, my hope is Josh Allen can get the better of him just one game. I think Manning. that'll end up happening. It'll be like uh, Manning versus Brady. I think Manning ended up winning a couple of those too. So yeah, very. And he got possible. a couple Super Bowls to his name too. So I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. Manning I'll did get it. a ring in Indianapolis. Yep. Um, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, always great to talk to you. We'll have nice to man. get something set up maybe in a year from now again, but, uh, you know, keep doing it. And, uh, yeah, we, we appreciate every time we have a chance to talk to you. No, thanks for having me on again, brother. Appreciate of course. It. Hello everyone. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the 13th man sports podcast show. It is Shane alongside Frankie as always will be your host for today's show. Uh, if you haven't checked out part, uh, one, of this episode head on over frankie sat down with urinating tree uh, and talked all things sports um i was not available to do that because frankie kind of just dropped it on me the day of so 
I know yeah, it's not I like mean, Frankie and, and him had a great time. Yeah, Tree is one of those guys though that I just I don't like to take much of his time, right? Like I <laughs> when whenever he gives me a time, I'm like that's happening. Whether one of us will be there, both of us will be there. Uh honestly, I'd put my dog in charge of the interview just to have him on the show. So <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just what happens. Like we set a time and you know, it was just kind of a shot in the dark whether you'd be available or not. Yeah, I mean, there, there are certain ones where it's just kind of like, hey, we need getting this person on is more important than if both of us are involved. So that's fine. But on this part of the show, it's all CFL all the time. We got about 45 minutes of CFL talk. Um, and honestly, we're going to we're going to go big. We're going to start it off big with uh, BC Lions quarterback. Michael Riley was announced his retirement from the CFL after 11 seasons. Uh, after watching him in 2021, it's not surprising that he retired. He did not look as quarterback as old, of old, and he he's taking a beating in in the last like three seasons. Yeah, yeah, he like you know it, it's it's hard to think though that he wasn't very good this year because he he was he was good you know like there was a couple of games where you watch him and you're like yeah he's not the same Michael Riley Bowles like particularly in week one when he when he got into that game and he couldn't like throw a spiral. Do, do, I don't know if you remember that deep throw. But it was spinning sideways. Like he threw a spiral in the opposite direction, but he nearly led the, the Lions to a win in that game. You know, Nathan, like they dug a hole for themselves with Rourke at quarterback. And, you know, I think you got to go easy on the kid in that game because it's his first ever game in the CFL. He's been thrown to the Wolves. He wasn't expecting to start. And, you know, credit to him. He still made some good plays in that game. Obviously, he got pulled at halftime, but. Man, Michael, like, we used to laugh about the warrior trope all the time. They would, I think it was Rod Black when I was going, Michael Riley's such a warrior. Like, oh, what a great guy. But, you know, like, True. he was. He absolutely was. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, and, like, even going back to last year, like, he was good, but he wasn't Michael Riley good. It was the same thing as Bo. <clears throat> Bo, was, Bo was good, but he wasn't Bo Levi good. Michael Riley wasn't Michael Riley good, not what we've seen yeah. from him in previous years. And as fortunate, though, as his retirement is, BT catches a huge break heading into free agency with you know, over 500000 off the books. They've already named Nathan Rourke as their starter, which I don't agree with. I don't think that was a smart play. I understand why they did it. I don't agree with it. But they're heading into free agency five hundred thousand dollars richer than they were with Riley on the table. Yeah, it's 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 a little tough too, though, because I think uh, if this would have happened, say a month ago, Brian Burns probably already locked up to a contract. They're still waiting on what happens with Javon Katoy as well. Uh, you know, if they lose both those guys for whatever reason, say Katoy ends up in the NFL after all, and Burnham says, "Well, you, I was your afterthought," and you know, throughout. Uh, the resign phase and you've decided that I'm not a part of the team, but all of a sudden I am now like, you know, I'm not saying he will do that, but there is a chance that he could, he will command big money somewhere else. He will get paid. There's no question about that. So like it, it does free them up some money, but they have to be a little bit careful here because if they go into next season with Rourke, not having the weapons around him, it will be a very similar situation to what we saw happen with Caleb Evans this year in Ottawa and Taylor Cornelius in, in Edmonton where, you know, you're just throwing a young guy to the wolves and you aren't giving him a chance to succeed. They have to put something around him. And I mean, obviously the money lets them do that, but 
you know, now they have to spend it wisely. Yeah, and I mean, if you're already down one guy from last year, Lamar Durant, and you cut him, he was owed like 200000 this year. He's had health issues. I understand that move. If you lose Burnham, you're, you're significantly impacting the quality of receiver. I know you, you have Lucky White, have you have Grimes still, but that's still quality of playmakers on that team are downhill. Luckily, there are still some pretty big names that could potentially hit free agency as well. The legal tampering period starts uh, Sunday at noon, so uh, January 20 or January 30th. January 30th at noon, the legal tampering period uh, it opens. So, like, it's going to be interesting to see what happens for the next, like, week and a half or nine days after that uh, tampering period opens up with guys like Burnham who could be starting to talking to other teams and being like, hey, if this team, team A is willing to offer me this, what are you offering to stay kind of yeah. thing? So it's going to be interesting in BC. It, one of the things I'm interested to, like in the case of Brian Burnham, a Simone Lawrence, a Don Unamba, like some of the bigger free agents that are still out there, will they decide to re-sign in, this, in the next coming days knowing that there's basically a, a – ability to look at free agency in the next couple of coming up in the next couple of days. Um, you know, if you don't get that number that you want, you, you don't need to sign it now. Like you can, you can just kind of wait it out, especially if you're one of those better players, because let's be real, Brian Burnham, Simone Lawrence, those guys know that they're going to get paid. It's just a matter of who's going to do it. And if say, for example, Ottawa comes and tells Brian Burnham, look, we're going to give you your number he all of a sudden has nothing uh, to OBC. Like they got to give him his number. Yeah. And that's exactly it. Like this legal tampering period allows for so much to happen because you get to see what teams are willing to offer you. If, if teams, you know, if every team, let's say you talk to all nine teams and all of them settle at like 210,000. Well, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of the money you're, you're, you're maxing out at. You're not going to be able to get much more. If that's what you've talked to teams about. Yeah. So the players get to really see their market value over the next nine days. And if you're going to see these big guys sign, like Lawrence, like Unamba, Byram, Johnson in Saskatchewan, there, there are a lot of them across the board. Um, if they're going to sign, if they're going to sign within the next nine weeks, like nine days, or, or they're free agents. Yeah. And there's like nothing to say that they won't eventually end up back where they were before. You know, that that's still possible. It, especially if uh, somebody comes off the board that you weren't expecting to end up being a free agent at the end of the season, i.e. if you're a guy like Micah Awe and you have you see Simone Lawrence be there, right? Like the team might go for Simone rather than Micah. Uh, just like one of those situations where you might not be the top dog in your position group come free agency and you might have to settle for something. But, you know, it... it I don't, we're not, we're obviously not going to see any official signings come out from other teams, but it is going to be going on. I'm sure that we'll hear rumors about who's talking to who, just like we have every year. Uh, and, you know, for one, like CFL has been pretty quiet recently. It's just the resigns, which they're, they're great news, but you know, they're not quite as fun as the market opening up and, and people starting to move. Cause then you start to get to the team is being built and we're gearing up for training camp. Yeah, and we're building up for the draft because that's happening in uh, yep. in early May. Um, I mean, you'll be able to catch all the action uh, with us for free agency day on February 8th. 
and whenever the draft is, I think it's like the second or the first weekend in, in May, I believe this year, um, or second weekend in May. Um, but yeah, there, there's going to be a lot of interesting moves. I think, you know, on top of that, in Edmonton, you know, moving on to the second point of today's uh, show. Already some interesting moves. Oh my God. Bowman and Arsenal. And like, we, we've been, we've been promoting Arsenal back in the league for you know pre- all year last year we wanted him back him uh bowman and caleb holly all signed with edmonton yeah that those are huge names and again i know there's a lot of like oh we're trying to win the great cup in 2022 not 2015 <clears throat> these guys are still professional athletes let's see what they can do on the field yeah i'm not so much shocked by manny arsenal being back like he's talked about wanting to be back I think there's an acknowledgement that maybe he's not the same, you know, putting up 1,500 yards kind of guy as he was before. But I think there's still a way that he can get onto a team and be productive, perhaps in a depth role and as a veteran. You know, I think that he brings a lot. Darius Bowman, I am I am unbelievably shocked that, <laughs> that this has happened. I can't believe he's back in the CFL. And if he has any shred of what's left from when he was in his prime, he's going to be a problem. Like, I, yeah, I don't, I mean, he might not have assume, it. Who knows? But I would assume this is the end of Darrell Walker at Edmonton. Though. Like, he's not going back in Edmonton. It must like, be, but I'm just, I'm just curious in, in a sense, though, what makes Chris Jones confident that a Darius Bowman is going to be a better receiver next year than Darrell Walker? And I, I wonder, G-Roy like, Tyler. I don't think. Yeah, I, I don't know if we've seen the dollar value. Uh, it might have something to do so. with that. I don't think so. I haven't seen but, anything. Um, you know, it's just it's just weird to pick a guy who's been retired. I believe he retired after, what, 2019? 2019. So he's been gone so, for two years. He's in the same yeah. boat as, like, you know, Derek Dennis and a couple of other guys who took the 2021 season off who are potentially coming back. I Derek think, is though, in a little bit of a different boat, though, because he played in the XFL. Even so he then, didn't he play till April. Yeah, but he did play in, in right. 20. Um, and, yeah. you know, Derek didn't retire either. He, I mean, technically he did, but he didn't retire. No. But I think the thing with Darrell Walker is that, like, you go back. Like, Darrell Walker's been in the league since 2015, and he hasn't put up top – I mean, he hasn't been healthy, and I think that's also another big issue with Darrell the last couple of years is, like, he played, like, 2017, 2018, and 19 combined games. He was productive during those 19 games. You know, he has over five, he almost has 8,000 yards receiving. I, I can understand where that kind of concern comes in with Darrell. If he hits open market, there's going to be teams like Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, Hamilton who are going to be interested. Yeah. You know, you well, know I, who I, the, I, like, I'm just going to pull up their free agency list here, too, because I believe Greg Allingson is also a free agent, correct? Yes, um, I believe so. You know, They've they're probably gonna let Ellingson go. I I don't imagine he'll be back. I think he was kind of a a Trevor Harris guy, and I don't think that panned out for him there either. You know, I I think there's still ball left in Greg. Like we know, we watched Greg very closely for many years in Ottawa. Um, That dude is just clutch reception after clutch reception, and I, I think there was traces of that in Edmonton. He just for whatever reason, I don't think he got the ball as much as he should have. Um, you know, I, I think there's definitely a market for him. And 
would I be shocked to see him back in Ottawa? That, I don't know. Maybe it's not likely, but I wouldn't be shocked if it ended up happening. Um, one of the things that I'm curious about too, what does this mean for Mike Jones? Because I, I think Mike Jones is exceptionally underrated in Edmonton. I, I really, really liked what he brought to the table this year. And as a national too, he might be a secret weapon for them of sorts. I think, I think with, with him, it's like, you saw what you saw, you know, what happens when you don't have receivers though. Yeah. You know, so I think these depth, that's great. And it, I mean, if they're using it, you know, money wise, like if they're, if they're costing less and they can still perform, it's great. But staying with Edmonton, um, James Wilder Jr. Signed. Yes. Um, yes. And, and that's reported. He, he got his first vaccination. He'll be Edmonton has announced. They did say. With that release, I believe, if I remember correctly, they in that release they mentioned that everyone at camp will be fully vaccinated. Yes. Now I don't know everyone's vaccination status in Edmonton. You know that, but that's huge. For, for you to yeah. come out and actually say that everyone at camp will be fully vaccinated, there will not be a single unvaccinated person at camp. That, that's a big leap to take because that means they are considering vaccination status when signing players. I think it can just be kind of they didn't have to say that to say it. You know what I mean? Like nobody was signing players that have to only play home games. It, it's just not going to happen. Um, and that's no, just but the it takes world out all right doubt. Now. It takes away all doubt, though. For you to come yeah, out and yeah. see it, yeah. you're putting it out there, being like, if you you're letting other players know, if you are not vaccinated, you yeah. will not be part of the team. I believe Calgary has also said this. Um, I think Huffnagel said it uh, way like back. It, it's it's obvious. Like, no, I don't think you have to say it to say it, but you know, I I get what you're coming from. And you know what, to credit to James Wilder Jr. Because I believe I saw something from three down nation uh, that basically said that he admits that he was wrong. Uh, And he said, basically go talk to a doctor uh, who knows what they're talking about and, and they can guide you in the right direction. Um, I don't know. Are you looking for that one right now? Yeah. Okay. Because, you know, I think that's a, I think it's a good message one, and two, I think it's uh, I think I think James Wilder has grown exceptionally in the past couple of years, both as a football player, and you know, from the outside looking in, I don't know the guy personally, but he looks like he's matured a lot. You know, in, in Toronto, I think, and things ended a little sour. He got upset when his team was losing. He got upset when he didn't get the ball, and in Edmonton this year, it just it didn't feel like that. And I think he's kind of reestablished himself as maybe the league's best, if not second best running back? I mean, it's kind of hard. Like, I think the problem with that I've always had with Wilder is that, like, he's one of those running backs where if he's not engaged, he's not going to be a good – he's not going to have a good game. He's a – in my opinion, watching him for the last couple of years, he's not a guy who can consistently stay back and, and block in the pocket. He need, you need to get him out in field. You need to get him the ball. Nothing wrong with that. But unfortunately, I think maybe maybe this is just me watching guys like Cornish and Harris and, you know, Messam and even Stanback and Powell. Like, those are guys that you don't need to give them the ball every single time for them to be engaged. You watch them protect them. They'll protect seven times in the pocket and be fine. And I think yeah. you've seen that maturity with Wilder is that he's now willing – and able to stay in the pocket for multiple times, like multiple plays 
and still be effective when he gets the rock. He doesn't consistently need to be fed the ball to have a consistent game. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's there's just something to be said about the style that he runs, too. You know, he um, he just runs hard all the time. Like, I remember game – or the first run he had of the season, too. If, if You you probably watched that game because they played the Red Blacks. But um, he pushed a pile for, like, 20 yards. And it was immediately like, holy shit, James Wilder Jr. is back. You know, like, he he's – He's a legitimate threat, and I'm really, really glad that he's made this decision to, to, to get vaccinated and come back for another year because when we talk about the CFL losing great players, he would have been one of those great players they lost if he didn't make that choice. So, you know, I, I think it's fantastic for the league to have him back because he is an explosive playmaker, and he's one of those guys that fans are going to want to put in their jerseys because his personality is absolutely It's phenomenal. great for the league. Yeah, like he's – I'm I'm so happy that he made this choice, even though, you know, I mean, he's not going to be playing on the team that I, I, I can't really say root for anymore, I guess. But, you know, even if you're not a fan of the team that he plays for, I think he's a great watch is basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So he does – like, so I found the article finally. Yeah, I did too. Um, so he does say the main reason why he wasn't vaccinated was a little bit selfishness. Uh, I knew I was going to be good, but I have to worry about the others out there. There's other people out there, all countries everywhere going through it. It's real what's going on. I just wanted to be a leader and try to get out, step out and speak on where, you know, we can get the whole community doing the same thing. I would say talk, talk to a trusted doctor. One of my head coaches, Hank Brown in high school was a trusted doctor of mine. And I got to talk to him. Instead of trying to do your own research, they kind of just break it down for you. So you can find this on, on three down nations website, um, the full article. Um, so, you know, it looks like there was some, uh, you know, the, the information that he had maybe kind of paints it in a bad light or, or whatnot. So, but Hey, it doesn't matter. He's vaccinated. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Good for the league to have him in there. It's the same thing. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll talk about Mazzoli in a second, but the other Edmonton news I want to talk about is according to three down nation, cause they have all the scoops right now. Um, Chris Jones has reached out to Deron Carter about a potential return to the CFL. And I Derek am Dennis all us. for it. He I'm told us. all for it. Yeah. Like, and that's just, that's just another one of those personalities. Like he was, he was vilified, right? Like I, I think fans didn't like his personality, but it's the, that's the personality that engages the younger fans. And I think that there's a place for Deron Carter in the CFL. There's a place for his, flashiness like what was when you think back best catch in the cfl in the last i don't know five years it was between him and chad owens yeah chad owens the chad owens one in the back of the end zone in ottawa and deron carter's sideline toe tapping touchdown catch was that also one-handed i think it was were they playing toronto i think so it was at the end zone yeah and he like he basically like odelled it yeah yeah like those two instantly come to your mind right and Chad or, or, gone, but he or his interception against Bo Levi, his <laughs> return against yeah. Bo Levi. Uh, like you can you can make the argument for like the Greg Allingson catch, but like that catch itself wasn't spectacular. It was the moment that it happened. I'm talking yeah. about like straight up thrilling plays and Deron I mean, like, you know, routinely made. Yeah, like Deron routinely made special plays. Uh, and like you need those kind of guys. Like Nick Lewis is another one of those guys. He just made plays, Nick and his Lewis personality is an was offensive, phenomenal. Like 
Nick Lewis was an offensive lineman who could catch and had speed. Like well, Nick Lewis was a tank. It's it's kind of it, Nick Lewis reminds me in a lot of ways of Alex Ovechkin, and there's for one reason. On the power play, you know where Alex Ovechkin is going to be, and you, still and can't you stop know him. where he's shooting from. Here's the thing: go ahead and stop it. On and, second and, down, you find Nick Lewis. You know where the ball's going. Now stop it. Yeah, you're not going. Okay, especially you know, strong side. You put you if you watch any game with Nick Lewis, anything that's second and seven or shorter, he is always on the strong side of the field. He gets the he gets the outside linebacker nine times depending on what package, or he gets the the extra DB. Usually, it's still the outside linebacker. He just dummies them. Yeah, like he, he yeah. either beats him off he beats him off his route, or he just runs him over. Obviously, he's going to lose some, but like, and then the man's hops. Like, hey, hops are unbelievable. This guy it was like overgrown men. It was like it, it was, was just crazy too because as he got older, you noticed uh, the thick Nick Lewis thing became more and more prevalent. But it didn't matter because for whatever reason, this dude was just elusive. Like, it wasn't even always breaking tackles. Like sometimes this dude would just run past you. And yeah. like he was, he was special on and off the field. And I think Deron Carter was much the same. He was, yes, he pissed a lot of people off, which is great because it was amazing to watch because it drew attention to the game. Yeah, but I like how- I, I just think about players like Mike Riley. Everybody loves Michael Riley. Sorry, everybody loves that guy, and he's great on the field, and his hats are great. You know, and honestly, when I, when I found out that he was retiring it was not so much i'm gonna miss watching that guy play football and there, there is an element of that of course but i'm gonna miss that person i'm yeah. gonna miss hearing him in interviews i'm gonna miss watching him you know walk onto the field with a ridiculously tall 20 foot top hat you know yeah it's just oh no man i i feel like deron carter and i've always been a fan of carter he has an extreme amount of talent um him back in the league along with delvin bro and like yeah. you know, great segue to to Hamilton. Delvin Bro's expected back. Derek Dennis is back. Bro, this is all 2019, and I'm all for it. Like just, I am all for this. There's so many personalities, man. Like those guys are some for sure. Um, we can talk about Duck Hodges. You know, I, I think Duck Call sales in Ottawa increased four times. Dude, he was know? a he was but, a gem. Yeah, like he's. He's still there, you know. You will hear the duck calls next year. Yeah. Uh, that's that's unquestionable. Um, you just, know, there's just the amount of personalities that are in this league. Yeah, and it, it's great to see some of them coming back. Like if they do get Deron Carter, um, I would. I want to talk to that guy. Like he's a he's a special guy. He's so talented, and I I think that if he's on your favorite team, you will love the guy. Man, I don't care if he's in Edmonton. I don't care if he's in Montreal. Just bring him back into the league. Get him back on a football field. Yep. Like, if Delvin Bro is back, it's even – Yo, I cannot – if it's if they come back, if him and Delvin Bro are back, the first matchup – because you you know Delvin's going to want him. You know it. Like, it's just – or even John Gott Oh, John – John Gott looks nothing like his playing days. No, um, I know, but that's a lot of offensive linemen. After they sure. retire, they just turn into, like – just yoked bodybuilders yeah but like if if jonathan rose you know and i think this is a player that isn't being talked a lot about it's released by edmonton i don't know what's going like i haven't talked to him recently um 
he's another guy where I just I want him back in the league somewhere. I don't care what yeah. team he's on. I don't care if he's in Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto. He needs to be in the league because he's better in the league. The league is better with him in the league. Yeah, and, and the, the crazy thing with him is he's one or two years removed from being one of the best defensive backs in the CFL. You know, like him – you remember back to the suspension for the Grey Cup, right? And what a big loss that was going to be. And then he appealed it and he was allowed to play and whatever. And, you know, and then all of a sudden he has an injury that potentially leaves him out of football. And I don't think he played bad last year, like, to be honest with you. He, he just didn't good. Put up, he didn't put up the big numbers like he had in the past. No, but and, if you actually watch him, like, he wasn't targeted a lot. Like, yeah. which, as a DB, is a good thing. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. like, if you're not targeted a lot, which means the guy that you're on isn't open. Like, yeah. It's a, yeah. it's a compliment. Well, they they tested Aaron Grimes a lot, and that didn't seem to work out a ton. Yeah, but I mean, Aaron Grimes was also playing a position that he shouldn't have been playing. But it's like it's like how I felt about Randall Evans because he was the strong side, like strong side corner, and he would. It's the same thing with Tyndall. They were both strong side. They were playing on the strong side, and they were just getting burned consistently because they didn't have any help. And it's like. But either way, can we hold on? I want to mention this quickly. Sean White's still a free agent. Yeah, he hasn't signed with uh, with anybody. Why? So why? Because he's a kicker. No, but or which? Wait, which Sean White? Sean White, the, the kicker. But that's my point. Do like, did we not watch Winnipeg look for like Winnipeg had a revolving why, door? Why, but here's the thing, though. Because of that, why should he sign? Why not wait till the no, temporary no. period? No, no, no. Yeah, not from his point of view, but why has Edmonton not signed him yet? That's my question. That Maybe that seems like that money. should have been one of the first things done. Too much money? He might be asking for more than they're willing to spend on a kicker. Yeah, but I mean, at that at that same, same at the same time, what, is he going to go to Winnipeg for less money? Like, po- if it's uh, about if, if it's about the money, I don't know if Winnipeg's a valid option. No, but I mean, hey, winning could do a lot of things. It could. I I don't I, it. <laughs> It'd be weird to see Sean White in anything other than green and gold. True. But, I mean, it's going to be interesting. But moving on to Hamilton, because Hamilton is a real interesting one. Starting off with Mazzoli, uh, it was reported, uh, I think, last week, uh, sometime last week, that the COVID protocols will not be an issue. Uh, you can assume that means he's vaccinated or will be vaccinated by camp. And the biggest, you know, topic around Mazzoli signing this free agency was if he was going to be vaccinated yes or not and it sounds like he will be easily a 400,000 guy like player easily comparatively to where other players are I think you can make an argument that he on a, on a short-term deal you know one or two years you can probably if he's a stopgap quarterback 400 mil for a year or two isn't going to break break the team Yeah, I don't know if it'll be four hundred, just because Zach Kalaros got five hundred, so five, just over five hundred. So I got five fifty. Um, yeah, it was like five fifty or five fifteen, something like 515, that. Five fifteen, I believe, is the total number. Maybe I, whatever it is, he's he's the highest he's, paid. Yeah, he's like the the contracts aren't exceptionally inflated like they used to be. I no. think Dane Evans's deal is somewhere in the three hundreds. Yeah, um, Nick how is, is in the 300s two. as well yeah but his, his hard money is the two yeah but he already he already got a big signing bonus I believe. yeah he got 100 he got a same thing with Bo. he got a 100k signing bonus yeah and that's so, another thing is that like is it 400k 
but is it like a hundred K signing bonus and then, you know, 30, like 300 K hard money. And that, that could be the difference between what Mazzoli signed. Like you might have two identical values on the table um, from two different teams, but he's probably going to take the one with the signing bonus, but it'll be interesting for me to watch. Like who's really on the table. If, if, BC has already named Nathan Rourke their starting quarterback. Are they going to bring in a, a $300,000 quarterback, $350,000 quarterback in Jeremiah Mazzoli? No. I say no. There, you know there's, only, there's arguably only two teams in, in service for Mazzoli. Potentially. I, I I mean, Dave Naylor, I believe, did report that Edmonton is not satisfied with their quarterback position. Yeah, so, but – my, my issue is why would you restructure Arbuckle's contract and then go out and pay – like why would you give a guy a 100000 signing bonus and then go out and sign someone to like a, a three-plus $100,000 contract? Yeah. See that – I think this the, the restructuring is weirder than the wanting to get someone else. Like Yeah, like it just doesn't make sense. And I want to sneak this in here too. People crucified me for saying that Taylor Cornelius is a better quarterback than Nick Arbuckle. Uh, when I did our rankings, uh, which, by the way, if you haven't seen 13th Man Sports, they're on our website. Um, you can find them. We're not going to spoil. I don't think we'll spoil too much about them, I guess. No, I don't, not at all. Not um, but, yes, uh, Nick, our, I, we did 13. It was originally 14, and then I had to sadly take Michael Riley's name off the list. Uh, he would have been number three. So for everybody getting upset with me who's actually number three, um, they would have been four. But <laughs> – um, you know, Nick Arbuckle had a really good season in 2019. Well, really good small sample size of a season in 2019. And a lot of that was in a really good system. And then he goes to Toronto this year and he had a chance to start. He had one really good game. And then after that, he just didn't do much. Like he, he just was average. Um, but I mean, that team was also inconsistent. And like, even they under were, Bo- they like- were, but. Bethel Thompson also got benched. Yes. So like it's kind of hard to really blame everything that was going on on that team. Yeah. On it like like on Arbuckle because I don't actually think it was. I don't think Dinwiddie is a good enough coach. Yeah. But in in comparison though, I I ranked Caleb Evans higher than him, um, which some people were upset about. But I don't think that Caleb Evans was given anywhere near a fair shake at starting last year. You know, he had one game where he was solidly protected against Edmonton and he, he did really, really well, uh, passed for three touchdowns and, you know, used his legs really effectively. He went into Montreal, a game that he got sacked, what, like six times? Like he was being sacked constantly and he still managed to find a way to win his team that football game. Like that dude, people aren't sold on him. And honestly, I can't really see why. I called it in training camp. You were there when I said it. I called it in training camp that he has the stuff to be a starter in this league and that I want to see him given a fair shot. And then Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, when he won the job out of camp, I was like solid. Yeah. This is great. I wasn't willing to put Arbuckle ahead of Evans for that reason. I think that guy is like legitimate Uh, and he's still 23, you know, like he's, he's still exceptionally young. Now people did get really upset with me for, Taylor Cornelius being ahead of Arbuckle. Uh, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why I did that. Um, four game stretch. It was, I don't have the exact numbers on me here. I got to pull them up, but 
uh, on an Elks team, Shane, that was literally killed by the next worst team in a game. Taylor Cornelius went – let me – hold on. Let me just pull these up so I get this correct. Um, in a series of games that included matchups with the Blue Bombers, the Tiger Cats, and two against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Cornelius completed a good chunk of his passes. He had uh, 984 yards and six touchdowns and just one interception. Like – I think he showed really good flashes. I think he showed the ability to control the pocket. I think he showed the ability to take off and run when needed, even though I think he is more of a prototypical pocket passer than anything else. Um, you know, I, I like the guy. Like, genuinely, I, I don't think that it's signed, sealed, and delivered that our buckles are starter next year. No, and I mean, I don't think it should be. And I don't think – it doesn't make much sense for Edmonton to to sign a quarterback, in my opinion. I think it's between Toronto and Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Um, for Mazzoli Services. But the next guy on that list, who is, I don't even know if he's a free agent. I don't even know if he's been actually like officially released. Um, is Brandon Banks? I, I don't know. Like I haven't seen it. Like I might, it might be on the CFL transactions page, um, but I don't actually think he was officially released because even they just know that they're part. Oh, 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 that that's important. Oh no, he already signed. Like we knew that. Um, it was just officially added. Yeah, like there's nothing. No, Jonathan Mincy signed. Oh no, he was he was released. Yeah, there's really nothing. I yeah, I, I think I think it's just a mutual agreement to part ways for now. Yeah, like he has he actually hasn't been released. Yeah. Um, and I don't think they will with the legal legal tampering window opening in a couple days, but they might. I I can't see him rushing this decision though. Like. I, I wouldn't be shocked if this went either way. I think he could just straight up retire, and I think he could try his luck somewhere else. I don't, I don't know how this will go yet. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting. Uh, but because we know what's happening with Banks, and we know Mazzoli's gone, the other three there, – there's three other guys on that defense that are up for debate on if they're going to be back in, in the hammer next year. That's Ja'Garrett Davis, Ted Laurent, and, and Simone Lawrence. And you can even add a fourth guy in Dylan Wynn. On if these four guys are are out of out of town, like by by February eighth, like and and if so, where does Hamilton sit? Like because you they didn't weren't impacted greatly by Tetherant's loss in the Great Cup uh, in the first half. Um, they were in the regular season. They were in the regular season, but that Great Cup they were able to manage it. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. With that defense, because I do not think that um, I don't think any of them are back. They're worse off without all four of those guys. Like there, there's no way that they lose all four of those guys and their defense stays as good as it was or better. I, I just can't see a world where that happens. Um, but they have they've already shown us with a couple of moves they've made. They're committing to their youth and. I, I think this is a pivotal year for the Tiger Cats. You know, they could hold on to some of their older players and try to make another run at the Grey Cup, but I think that would seriously hamper their chances of getting back to it in 2023. And, you know, when when you when you look at it, they're hosting in 2023. You know, teams routinely try to ho- to play in the Grey Cup they host. And 
for Hamilton to take a step back now, I think does them a lot of good. W- would you rather have Simone Lawrence or Tunde Adelike right now if you're if you're building for not necessarily to suck this year? I don't I don't think they're going to suck this year. They're going to be all right. Um, but you know, you're going forward. Would you rather have Tunde Adelike for another five years, say, or would you rather have Simone Lawrence for one more? And uh, I think. I think the answer there is pretty easy. I think they'll be looking to get a little younger uh, and, uh, you know, be back in this position when, when they host again in 2023. Yeah. I mean, it, it's going to be interesting. Um, and on offense though, they're also still um, potentially missing people. You know, Jared Acklin. Jared Acklin? Jalen. Jalen Acklin. I don't know why I said Jalen. Or Jared. Uh, Jalen Acklin. Um, you know, isn't, isn't Don Jackson also? Yes, he is also a free agent. Okay. We need to update our site because it's not on there. Actually, um, if he's not, uh, maybe he's not. I'm pretty sure he is, but. I don't know. Cause our, our list comes directly from the CFL. Um, yeah, no, he is. Who'd you ask for? Jackson Bennett? No, Don Jackson. Don Jackson. Uh, he is. Interesting. Okay. I don't know why uh, he's not there, though. Yeah, so we'll need to, to update that. Cool. Um, so another key piece, I mean, they have a lot of, of big names in Hamilton that could be wearing different jerseys next year. Yeah. I, I'm not I'm not shocked by it, though. Like we said, it's a, it's a pivotal offseason for them. They have to decide whether they want to go – the, the route of compete now or if they want to go the route of okay let's take a step back um you know I, it, the thing with the east this year is i think toronto is going to be solid especially if they can figure out their quarterbacking position which won't be easy but the way jeremiah mazzoli was playing makes me believe that he can still win in this league you know 100%. Uh, he like the thing with the quarterback list that I did is I went through and I was kind of looking at like different points in the season and Mazzoli started the season and it was not good. Like it was, it was bad. Um, and I think that's like, that was where I kind of went like, okay, this guy's not good. But then you kind of have that like preconceived notion, I think. And you completely ignore that he, you know, went into when he came back from his injury, um, he completed 71.5% of his passes for 2,459 yards, 12 touchdowns, and just three interceptions. Like, he had all-star numbers at the, at the, after he came back from injury. And, you know, Toronto, if, if he goes to Toronto uh, and they have that roster around him that features some good weapons, they could be dangerous. Montreal is going to have Vernon Adams back, hopefully healthy for an entire season. They could be dangerous. The Red Blacks can't be worse than they were last year. So <laughs> they'll, they'll be they'll be better than they were last year. And and hopefully, I think everybody is hoping for the sake of the league that they're they're competitive at the very least. So if you factor all of that in, I don't think it was an easy road for, to the Great Cup for Hamilton, regardless. And uh, you know. I, also, I don't know if their roster last year was good enough. You know who doesn't get enough talk? Who? Cameron Judge. He's a free agent yeah. this year. He's just yeah. kind of – yeah, he well, didn't have a great year. And, I mean, 
a lot of players didn't have a great year. It's similar to Jonathan Rose. It's it's the same thing. Like he was one of the most hyped up free agents and then he signed and everybody was so excited. It was such a big signing. And then they didn't do much of that in the, in the season. And for whatever reason, like he might be one of those buy low candidates. And I mean, if that's the case, like, you know, if you're a team looking for an inside linebacker, he's only 27. Um, I guess he's Saskatchewan. Going back to, yeah, I mean, going back to Sask, I mean, he only played nine games. He had 13 defensive tackles, one sack. Like, definitely a, a, a low. Yeah. Um, but well, again, like I said, it's it's tough. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're off for a full year, a short camp. It, it's hard to get going. So, like, I, I think Judge is going to be a guy to watch. There's a lot of big names that are, are going to be available this year. Um you know, my my thing though personally is um, Calgary. The fact that they were able to sign Reggie Bagleton, they got Kamar um, Jordan back. Yeah, Kamar Jordan was signed. So there, there's a lot of moving pieces. Yeah, yeah. It's honestly, it's getting to the point where it's getting hard to keep track of. And um, you know, I've been <laughs> so busy lately that. Um, updating the site with the signings hasn't been as quick as I would like it to be. It's, you know, we're still working on it. It's still being updated routinely. Um, but Holy, there's been a lot of signings going on. I, I, I do want to, I do want to do this too, since I love predictions so much. Brandon banks. Let's assume that he plays next year. You know, we're, we'll take, we'll take retirement off the table. Where sure will he now. play? Toronto. Playing with Chad Owens. Playing hmm. with reverse Chad Owens, who ended his career in Hamilton. Went from Toronto to Hamilton because Toronto thought he was Man, rushed. I forgot Chad Owens. Yep. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm expecting Banks to do the same thing. Uh, I, oh. I think Ottawa will be interesting. Like, the problem, my, my personal problem with Banks is I don't actually think he is a, a an offensive weapon in terms of, like, you can get him the ball consistently. I think he's very limited in what he can do. And I think we saw it last year. And like you you take certain things away from him, he is not going to be effective. Um so I know there's a lot, you know, a lot of connections with Ottawa with Burke and whatnot. So obviously it's a it's a chance. Um, but I, I gotta take Toronto going after him. They need that deep threat for whoever the quarterback is. They didn't really have one last year. Banks can still run it. Um Toronto's issue last year, McLeod Bethel Thompson was, I think, one for 17 on passes beyond 30 yards. Yeah, because he's inaccurate, like, deep. But they also didn't really have much of a deep threat. The one time he did complete it, it went for a touchdown, though. So that's yeah. worth something, right? Um, so, how about Chad Owens on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, by the way? Just to throw yeah. another one that is did he, fit? he might have actually finished his career in I think Sask. he did. I think he did. But he didn't. I don't recall him doing much in Sask. I think he played there for one year. Yeah. I, I think he ended – he played one year in Sask. Whatever, um, like I don't, I people might have other memories of Chad, oh, no. but like he he went so he played one year in Hamilton, went to Sask, and then went back to Hamilton and then retired during the offseason. Okay, um, yeah, people might have different memories of Chad Owens, but like I will never forget that diving catch in the end zone that we mentioned earlier. Uh, that is forever my my Chad Owens memory. Um, and it hurt because I remember I was watching that game at uh, I finished my hockey practice and that game was tied, right. I think that was the touchdown that won the game. Yep, I was at and that game. was that was a Toronto home game being played in Ottawa because the Blue Jays had a playoff game that night. 
Yep. And I remember I finished my practice uh, at hockey, went outside into the lobby, and the game was on. And we stood there for the last couple of minutes, and there's Chad Owens making this stupid catch yeah. in the back. I was, we were, I was at that game. I was in the end zone where he caught it. Yeah. I was so annoyed. Yeah. It was beautiful to watch live. Mm. So annoyed. Ricky um, Ray, too. What a oh. – this has been a reminiscing episode. Um, but my prediction, because I somehow got onto Chad Owens, uh, Brandon oh, Banks, my – I think it's so, – the obvious answer right now is Ottawa. And that's not just because we are Ottawa guys. Um, As you can tell, because I'm not for him being an Ottawa. <laughs> well, that's not just because I'm an Ottawa guy. I think it just makes sense with Devontae Dedman leaving. Now, before that happened, I wouldn't have said Ottawa. But I think if Brandon Banks is willing to do kick and punt return again, which I think he will be, you know, when he got upset with us last <laughs> it, 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 during the season when we put out the poll of, Who's a better kick returner, Devontae Dedman right now or, or Brandon prime. Banks in his in his prime? In his kicking, mean, in his returning prime. Yeah, yeah. when he, back when he was you know kicking and punt returning, and that, that's what I meant. I didn't mean to offend him with that one. Um, it, no, it no was, one beats Chad Owens. Yeah, well, no, as much as I, Dedman does. As much as I like Dedman, and he was a, a, the best chance in Miami. Go, go! I hope he, I hope he's more than a kick returner in Miami. I do too. Um, but, but Chad Owens yeah. receiving the, the ball, more dangerous than Brand Because I think the thing with, like, Brandon Banks, and this is why I picked Deadman over Banks as a returner, Brandon Banks just beat you with his speed. Deadman and Owens were just elusive. Yeah. Like, they could just make you miss tackles when you're standing in front of them. Yeah. Just back to my point, though, uh, Banks basically responded to the tweet by saying, I'm doing whatever I can to help my team win. People will only look at the stats. And like like I said, that's not what we were trying to do. Uh, we didn't mean to offend him with that one. Um, you know, it was just a, a poll question that we put out just because we were kind of curious. Um, but nevertheless, like I, I think that he would be willing to help whatever team he signs with win in whatever way he can. And he is still, I don't care that he's, what, 34 now? Yeah. He's still an explosive player. And I, I think if you put him... Whether you put him at receiver or kick returner, the Red Blacks need both. Uh, so I, I think it just makes sense, especially if the dollar value comes in right. I don't know, you know, I don't think there's much stopping them if, if they really want to go that route. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And, like, before we end the show, you know, we have to we have to kind of quickly catch up on, on the Deadman news uh, to end the show. He signed okay. with Ottawa. He, he re-signed with Ottawa, which, you know, I was happy about. I don't blame him for for going to Miami. I know you're mad that he went to Miami because yeah, yeah, no, 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 yeah. I'm not mad <laughs> like, that he's leaving the CFL. I'm mad that mad. he went to my one of my so, least favorite NFL teams. Yeah, like you're just mad that he went to Miami. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for him. I hope he's he's given more of a role or more of an opportunity to show his skill set than just being a, a returner because we know the NFL doesn't really have much of a return game. Um, for the fans that are mad. My, my question for them is, would you guys like would you guys say no to an offer that has you doing the same job the, but pays you three times the salary? Like would you say no to that? And I know sports no. is different than like real world jobs, like corporate jobs, but not real. But the, but the idea of it is like if you have a, if you have company A offering you a oh, million dollars, well, your your current company is offering you 
you know, 150,000, you're taking the million dollar job. Like, well, people will look at 150,000 too and say, that's a lot of money. And, you know, a not year. When you're it an is. American. But no, but it is, except not. when you're playing football because careers are so short. You're trying to set yourself up for a future where you don't have to work after you retire from football. And or you don't have people, to work, like you don't have to worry about your take home after football. You can yeah. work, you can have, like your, your side hustle can be your passion because yeah. you have that, that cash but banked. If you're making 150,000 Canadian, you're fine. You know, like after taxes and everything, you're still fine. You, you've got, yeah. you got enough to live off of. However, you don't have enough to support yourself long-term. Whereas yeah. if you go and you sign, say an $850,000 a year contract, in the in, which I believe is minimum if you're on the roster, yeah. um, you know, you're, you're set up for, for much longer. That's, that's like, you know, that, and it's American. So you're not yeah. paying extra tax on and that. that that's true. That's like, you're not dealing with the conversion rate, like for Americans. And it makes sense for, for Canadians as well, but like strictly as an American, like if you're an American playing in the NFL makes the most sense because you earn the most money that way. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't blame him. He's making like 10 years of CFL salary in one season. In my yeah. Opinion. And like, you know, if he if he spends two years in the NFL, it's like, hey, you know what? I, I I've made my money. You know, I'm not getting an opportunity to play. The door is open for him to return to the CFL. Always. It happens. Same it with, happens same all the time. Deontay Spencer, he's still in the NFL. The it's opportunities like haven't Shane really Richards been there. Jr. Yeah. The the corner, the former Red Black who who signed with the he went down and played with San Diego for like I think two years and then got cut. And then Trey he, Robertson is back too, is he not? Yeah, he he signed with uh, Calgary. He re-signed for this offseason, yeah. during this offseason for next year. Like, we've seen it. You know, Moncrief, like, we stand back. Like, a lot of these guys, like, the money is great. And I think we're going to see it with, with Strevler, where the money is great, but these players want to play. I, I don't know if we'll see it with, uh, you know, like. I, I, I think see Strevler going to BC. Guys that can stick around on the NFL rosters and practice squads, I think will stay there um i think strevler will just because he brings a unique skill set that somebody is probably going to want i mean if you're happy just sitting on the bench sure but i feel like if you're if you're someone who wants to play you're like and i i I think this is the thing is all like these guys aren't going to the nfl just to go to the nfl they're going to the nfl because they believe there's an actual like they're being told that they have a chance to to make the roster yeah. They just have to go out there and perform. And sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, there's a lot of fact favoring, like different differentiating factors. Do you remember if people were upset when Alex Singleton went? Yes. It is Were they? But I mean, I can also see why people, because Alex Singleton, if I remember correctly, was also heading into a UFA. He was going to be a, a UFA when yeah. free agency started. I think what a lot of people might be upset with is that Deadman signed with Ottawa. He committed... But- to next season and i think that's where people might be upset i don't know i'm not upset about it i mean i'm upset that we lost him i'm upset that ottawa lost him the cfl lost him because he's a he's an exciting fun player to watch mm-hmm. but that's just because i like watching him play like he's a good football player yeah so it's not like i'm mad that he he decided to make the most money he could in his career yeah, so I, I, it's totally fair to say you know it sucks that I can't watch that guy play football in my my city for the next, you know, however many years. I think that's – it's totally fair, especially 
if you're a Red Blacks fan, it's totally fair to grieve that you just lost your best player. You yeah, know, it, it's it sucks because this happened. This has now happened twice where you have an explosive playmaker just you know leave at the end of the, at the end of a season and. You're you're excited about what they can do for your football team, and it, it happened with Deontay Spencer. Now it's happened with Devontae Deadman. It sucks. Yeah. You know, it, it sucks when your favorite player leaves. But at the same time, you you cannot look at that guy and go, "You are in the wrong." Because no, they're not. Like the the average NFL career is three point three years. I'm sorry. Maximize your earnings. Maximize mm-hmm. how much money you're going to make. During those three point three years, and he's been he's been hurt a lot too. Like, it, it's not like he's been completely secure in a job for a long time. You know, he had three really good uh, what three really good games in nineteen, and then he came out and he played, you know, short of a full season again this year. You know, like he he has spent a lot of time on the injured list. But he came up to the he came up like late in twenty nineteen. Like he, yeah. he was a late yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he only played five games in 2019. And he never touched the field at home, interestingly enough. Yeah, I believe. Like, so, but he, he has over, like in 16 games, he has over 1,000 punt return yards and over almost 2,000 kickoff return yards and five total touchdowns in 16 games. Mm-hmm. Like, and that, that, or return touchdowns in 16 games. Um, I kind of wish we saw more of him in the offense, but he was so explosive in at returning that you didn't really want him getting hurt. Yeah, he got you forty yards a a kick return, basically. So yeah. you didn't really need him. He just kind of already did his job when he touched the ball the first time. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. I mean, I'm excited for him. I wish him nothing. I wish none of the any of the CFL players who have left. Desjardins. You know, he's signing with the Pats. Uh, the ones who signed with Atlanta, because there was a couple of one, couple of them yep. who signed with Atlanta. You know, anyone who signs in the NFL, like, yo, best of luck. I hope, I hope you succeed. And you know, if you, if you know, you don't make it in the NFL, you're always welcome back in the CFL. Yep. No one's gonna be upset about it. So, I don't know. Let them make as much money as they possibly can during their career. Yeah, I think that's easy. Like, I don't know. I, I don't think you can be upset with a guy for wanting to pursue his dreams. That's, yeah, that's no, just not at all. Like, yeah. let's be real. These guys don't dream of playing in the Canadian Football League. No, I mean, it's like if, it's like we grow like Canadians who grow up wanting to play in the NHL and they end up going overseas for a couple of years because they're not quite NHL ready and they have a really good dominant couple of years in the in you know the KHL or the SHL and they come over here. Like, it's that's just the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Uh, but yeah, I we can be going on for hours, but we could we got to stop. <laughs> yeah, um, forty five minutes is turning into an hour. Um, thank you all for tuning in. It was always a pleasure. Uh, remember uh, to follow myself Shane underscore ry thirteen on Twitter, uh, Frankie at Frankie underscore Benvo on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, TikTok, Thirteenth uh, Man Sports. We have a couple of exciting news news coming out over the next couple of days, so. If you're hearing this episode after they've released, so you might already know it. If not, well, check out our Twitter page because that's where we'll be posted first. Uh, and, yeah, hope you all stay safe. We'll catch you back here next week with a brand-new episode of the 13 Man Sports uh, podcast. 
and hopefully more CFL news. I remember check out the episode with your eating tree. It was a lot of fun. If you missed last week's episode with uh, Ben Steiner and Derek Dennis, uh, you know, and James go Boyd. listen to that. What? And James Boyd. Oh, yeah, and James Boyd. I forgot we added that in. Uh, so if you missed that, head on in, watch, listen to it. It's a great episode. Um, we'll catch you back here next week.